Jason. Recording? Are you recording? <laughs> is this thing working? So, how good is this? We get in the car. It's been a very long day. It's been also, a very long week. What also, are you talking about? we're doing just so you're aware, we're doing some navigation in the background. So, Tom calls out some rally calls, and um, you hear my head thump into the glass as we take a very sharp turn. Uh, that's that's just very, part of the game. It's, it's, it's now night time. Turning right in 200. No, not 250. Jesus, you missed the last turn. Oh. Right, right, right. All right, right so, here, right. Today, huge day, but guess this, the probably the most exciting thing that happened, no, not the most exciting, but very exciting thing that happened today. We get off the mountain, finally. Mm. We have a bit, of, a bit of a story behind that one. And then we get in the car, we meet our good friend, Charlie Brown, who had our bags of things, which he didn't steal, which is also a bonus. <laughs> and then, get this, as soon as we get in the car, my gosh, the skies open up and the rain starts. And internally, like my inner child is just, beaming at the fact that we missed the rain by literally what it was minutes four worth. minutes yeah it was, minutes. It was oh. insane yeah and left 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 yep. all right he's got it he's got it we're yep. on the right track people so it's now raining and we're driving and um we're we're just reflecting they're a little bit loose a little bit unstrung and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Puck with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Hey, what happened today? Talk us through it, Tommy. Well, we got up um, We got up quite early. You're, you're an early riser, aren't you? I'm an early riser. You are an early I'm riser. I'm a five o'clock so, <laughs> True. And uh, it was like you were surveying the surrounds. You were out the tent, outside the tent, you know, just making sure that it's everything was okay. Actually, surveyed the loo for a minute. <laughs> testing, but, <yeah>. the, <laughs> testing the guy ropes on the tent, making sure they were still taut. Yeah, making sure that our makeshift uh, tent pole. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah. For those who don't know, we uh, we left a pole behind, a, a crucial part of the tent behind. I think we did mention that this night. morning because we were yeah. we were at the hut this morning. So right. we left off. We just talked to Heidi, who is probably the most epic human. Uh, Amazing woman. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. So then yeah. we left that hut at about 9.30 after the guys had kindly done a recce for us to make sure that we weren't going to kill ourselves. Yeah, I yeah. think they would have felt responsible if they said just <laughs> after the wilderness. You'll be fine, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they did uh, go up to the tree line there and make sure that the... Uh, the coast was clear, so to speak, so that we could make our way on our on our merry way to, down the mountain. Yeah. So we... Uh, we left, oh, hello, Laura Crummins. Um, so sh- she wasn't there, but um, <laughs> then we then we made our way up the hill and we thought, great, we'll just climb up above these trees and we'll be able to see the mountain and then we'll know it's not far to go. Yeah. But it didn't we, quite work out. Neither was it terrible at maps either, but even on the map we were like, oh yeah, you did poke over this ridge and basically you'll see to the staircase, as long as there's visibility, you'll see to the staircase, they call it, which is the steep part on the other side. And that, that wasn't the case. It no. was just like the poles just kept bloody going. Kept going. It looked like the ants marching one by one. And then the wind got a bit stronger, didn't it, Matt? Oh, my god! And at one stage, I was seriously leaning into the wind to the right-hand side, and it was just keeping me up. But uh, it was it was pretty epic. Uh, it was certainly the most exposed part of the walk that we'd done, which is fair enough because we were at, you know, almost 2,000 metres high. Mm. And uh, and then after probably an hour and a half, we we finally 
could see the summit of Mount, well, kind of see the summit of Mount Bogong, but couldn't. Yeah. And then... Uh, There's a bit of a whiteout <laughs> at one point. It wasn't long, didn't last long, but it had me a bit concerned that it might settle in. Matt was not so keen. What, what, what was your... I was keen to push to the summit. You did seem it. Yeah, I was very keen. I was happy to... I was happy to dump the packs and go for the oh, summit. Hell no, not dumping the packs in yes, a whiteout. Right next to the navigation pole. Yeah. We would have found them. Okay, so for some context, we were in this hut <laughs> with some very experienced people last night, and even they were going, wouldn't do it, wouldn't go across tomorrow. And you know what they were saying? They said, in a whiteout on Bogong, because it's such a big flat area with no trees for navigation at all, there's nothing to navigate off, and it's just white on white on white. And there's a great video that Tom will no doubt post of me walking into the white on yes. white on white. Yes. Right. They said they usually take a piece of string that they tie around the pole in case they lose the pole trying to search for the next <laughs> pole. One of them it talked about so camping bad. next to a pole because it was too dangerous. foggy and yes. dangerous to move on. So they literally just set their stuff up and camp next to a pole. Like, and you're just going, let's just ditch our packs and we'll go for a hike. Nah, not happening, buddy. All right, so Matt wussed out, and in the end, he said, no, look, we've come all this way. We've walked, you know, 60-odd oh. kilometres. Should we and, mention that it was in a cloud and you couldn't see anything anyway? And, and apparently Matt wanted it so that it was a beautiful, clear day, no wind, and champagne. Champagne And I didn't have nice. the champagne's pain, so he refused to go. Yeah, so yeah. sorry about that, folks. No photo of Matt and I hugging each other on the top of Mount Bogong. But can I say, the views today... Oh, you, like, were, you were creaming your pants. They right? wiped out the views of any other portion yeah. of this entire trip. Then, then we had to go down this very steep slope and in snowshoes with wet, soggy snow, we then had to yeah. navigate our way down this spur, which was not... I wasn't having the best fun there. You were not. I, I just thought if we slipped here, this is not going to end well. Can I just say that I, I know where the diamond for Mary's wedding ring is coming from, <laughs> and I reckon it was your butt cheeks today. It was. It was pressed point, hard and fast. At that point, it was. I, I've been in situations like that before, and that was not comfortable for me. And so, so you were not a happy kid. We did need, we absolutely needed to make our way safely across that. So just think, guys, it's this sort of 45 degree slope. And when you look to your right, which is downhill, you couldn't see much else. No. Like that, that was where you were going to yeah. fall and end up. If and you, it's, and it's not like a stone that sort of rolls a bit, gathers momentum, and then slowly, no. you know, decreases in its velocity. When people fall down those slopes, they just gain momentum until they reach maximum velocity and stop a yep. few hundred meters later, yep. concussed. And then they and bring the, the rest of the snow off the mountain with them <laughs> and they get buried alive. Yeah. That was because so, that's the other thing is when you're on that little ridge line there, you, you don't actually know where the land no. component of that ridge line is. You know no. where the snow component is, but that might be way off center. So if you walk on the top of it, you could very well that could just slide out. So I guess what you. you've you've had the um, experience of this week is Pretty nice conditions, to be honest, with the sun out all the time. Yeah. If you have those whiteout conditions with cloud cover, often you can't even see where you're putting your feet. Yeah. Like there's no definition in the snow whatsoever. And people listening to this podcast might go, oh, yeah, whatever. Like that's a bit extreme. You're exaggerating. Watch absolutely, the video. Watch absolutely the video. not. You can be in situations where you literally can't see what you're putting your foot on. One of the things I found challenging actually was that it was really bright, obviously, because there's enough sunlight coming through that white fog that it's really glary. So you put mm. the sunglasses on and that takes the definition out of it even 
further. Even more. I yeah. just couldn't see what I was. Well, that's. Did you notice how I didn't have my sunnies on for most of the day because of that? I must say, I, I did look a lot cooler eyes. than you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or, a, or a frigging beanie, because although my head was freezing cold, the rest of me had layers on that I was cooking in. So yeah. I kind of had to like dispel the heat somehow. Yeah. And uh, and then we made it down this ridge line and we got some really nice shots, oh, didn't we, Maddie? Crackers. And they were the proper view, front covers of magazine uh, shots. Uh, like, yeah. The view across the Alps to the north from Mount Bogong. You know, those classic sort of ridge line after ridge line after ridge yeah. line and the degradation in blue colour. And the little sunspots coming through. Yes, mm. and, and then the, the fast cloud moving above because literally we were almost in the clouds. That's how you get a white out, of course. <laughs> so either it's snowing really hard or you're in cloud. And so we um, then gently made our way down the summit of Mount Bogong to the car park, which, which it was interesting. We were reflecting on it just before that the first day we had to do a 300 meter drop into a valley, which we recorded on the podcast yeah. or a video. You've already heard about that by now because <laughs> you listen religiously. Everyone's taking notes. And then and then we thought that was far. And then the next day we had to do a 700 meter drop mm. and we thought that was far. Well, today we did a 1500 meter drop and it didn't feel like it was far at all. No, well, it did feel like, it did feel- It took some time. Yeah, it certainly wasn't as- Speaking. Um, wasn't as bad as what, you know, it, we thought it was going to be anything that part of the drop, but I think I think we'd already been beaten and battered. Enough, oh yeah, but we were, we were up for anything. And the most depressing part of this all was that we actually get to the bottom where the sign is, like the bottom of the staircase, which is a pretty well-known, grueling walk. And um, and you're not <laughs> and then there we realise we're like, wait, wait, this is not it. Where's the where's the car? Two kilometres along oh. a dirt road to get to the car. It was insulting. It, it was. was it was yeah. pretty bad. It was the longest two kilometres we've walked yeah. the whole trip. I reckon also because like I've never felt like more of an explorer today than walking down that ridge line with that view. Like it was literally a drop off. A couple of metres to either side of you was just sheer drop. And we we're walking down there. I had even had the yellow jacket to contrast against the snow. I felt like proper front cover stuff. Yeah, it was. And then how did it end? Walking on a freaking dirt road towards a car park for two kilometres. It was, it was it a was bit deflating. Just wasn't it? really was. It was, it was a bit of, It was a bit of a downer. However... We picked ourselves up again just recently, didn't we, Matthew? We did. We have stopped off at the Uruawa pub. Well, what was it called? I can't oh, remember the name of the hotel. Lots of rivers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and um, we had the best meal. It was great. Actually, that chicken entree was just phenomenal. Maddie just went to town and the waiter came over and said, what can we get you? And he said, I'll have two of everything. I called the Noah's Ark. The Noah's Ark. <laughs> uh, and, and he was very obliging and brought out some uh, very tasty meals. And, and we feel like we've, I don't know about you, Matt, but I feel like I've consumed more calories in that meal alone than I did the whole of this week. I was feeling very fit until about an hour ago, yeah. <laughs> That's it. I feel very fat and full now. Yeah. Which is probably true. I am fat and I'm full, but we've had an amazing time. And to be honest, look, um, I'm not any spring chicken anymore. And I've probably forgotten a lot of the things that I did in the past, which included probably a hundred triathlons, um, multiple open water swim events, um, uh, you know, I'm just going to tune out two marathons. Time goes through, goes uh, let me go through my uh, fitness CV. Yeah, you know, Nick it. Fletcher now is very jealous of me. Oh, this, surely this will all be on the signature of your email address, won't it? Like uh, yeah, I'll send you the link yeah. to, to the link to my CV online there. Anyway, um, that's got to be one of the hardest things I've ever done. Uh, look, the, the the deal is that when you're snowshoeing in that environment, as you rightly pointed out, Matt. You've got the cold to contend with, you've got the wind, you've got all these extra clothes that you're wearing in order to stay warm. 
but you're also at altitude. So you're also at, you know, like almost 2,000 meters, 1,700 meters, 1,800 meters. For those who haven't been up that high and done any form of exercise, and that doesn't include skiing, because skiing, you're just falling down a yeah, hill. basically. But if you are seriously exercising like we were, it's hard yakka. You, I feel like the most unfit person because you're breathing in thinner air, you know? You do know, I guess the first like 500 meters to a kilometer of each day, I was going, hold on, how did I do this yesterday? Because I can't even breathe and I'm just like walking around. Yes. But I think it's that cold, thin air, it just goes, yeah, not good. But we, we, we talked about this. So we've already kind of like, because obviously we've, we've had a bit of a banter after this, we're both pretty excited about finishing this, this little situation. Uh, not finishing it, but having accomplished it. And, and never doing it again. And never doing it again. <laughs> um, but we were saying today that What's really interesting is that from a, you actually picked your camera up today, which was great. I was really impressed. I, to I see actually you take got some excited, photos. didn't I? I think you even did. before you picked up your camera, I said, yeah. "I've got to take a photo." By the of time this. I could say, "There's a photo here," <laughs> you were like scrambling through your bag. I was. Um, I was very excited. So, First time for everything. I guess. There is. But I did think that we were sort of saying that it's interesting because, you know, like I don't do much landscape stuff. I don't. Don't. I do not do landscapes, but it's not like my jam. And what I found really, really interesting was with this, I have, I've realized the appreciation that I've got now for some of the landscape books and things that I've seen. You know, your snow book's one of them. Oh, thank you. you I was going to say. You can buy it on tompot.com. If you had um, mentioned it, I would have, yeah. But, you know, we've been out for three days and we've been slogging it hard, like, or four days really. And, and we haven't really stopped. We haven't had time to like just immerse ourselves anywhere. We've been really just work, 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 work. Hope you see something. Work, 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 work. But it makes you think the amount of times that we've been on this hike where there was actually an amazing shot to be had, but it was just across that ridge or just on the other side of the gully or just a little bit up, just a little bit down. But because you're in snowshoes and the snow is not the easiest thing to walk on, the sides of this thing are really, really steep, you know, in the gullies and stuff. To simply maneuver yourself into the composition that you want, it is like, that would be an hour or more of effort in the hope that what you thought was gonna transpire was what you actually thought it was going yeah, to be. Yeah, you're true. And, and the other thing is, is that when you're cold and it's windy, for example, and all the elements are against you, your mental um, decision-making is slowed considerably. Yeah, like that sentence you just said, that was meant to be <laughs> yeah. English. Um, you can see it's having a true effect. Um. <laughs> you're saying I should put my beanie on to get my head just think, Yeah, maybe we should put the but, heater on, yeah. But what I'm saying is, is that don't, don't you find that? I find that oh, I yeah. know what I need to do, but then it takes me twice as long to do it. And also, it's not just even that it definitely takes you twice as long, but there is, because it takes twice as long as well, there is always this consideration of going, I know it would only be 10 steps up to but, probably get a better shot. Like today, yeah. when we did that little video, live video thing, yes. there's a photo that I wanted, but there was no joke. The smallest, most insignificant gum tree in front of me. And I was like, I could just go around it and, or even just in front of it, which would have taken probably about a five or six metre walk. And I just chose to not. Yeah. Because I was like, I just, Too no, I know what we're about to go into and that's extra six metres is not yeah. happening today. Like, yeah. it was, it's actually embarrassing saying it now, but in the moment, you don't have that capacity. Like, no. No, and, it, and that's the extra challenge that I've enjoyed in the past doing that and still do, I guess. But, you know, there's all those elements to contend with. So I, I think I'm almost making it extra hard for myself in order mm. to get a photo. And that's um, that's not something that I've sort of learned to appreciate as much. So yeah. we, we also had that conversation though around the fact that 
one of the beautiful things about doing what we did was to access areas that people don't get to access to get photos that are unique. Even if it wasn't the better shot necessarily, at least it's different because of the composition. So different. Well, well, you know, different because not many people get to those locations. Mm. The people that are getting to those locations more often than not are keen, you know, backcountry skiers or, you know, yeah. bushwalkers, etc. Not necessarily with a passion for photography. Yeah. So when you are out at some of those locations, you, you genuinely are getting shots to, to your eye that are, not something you've seen before so it is exciting in that regard do you think as well though that's that must be a bit of that's got to be like a little bit of a red flag for most photographers i think to be able to like just that little flag in your mind that goes how how quick are we sometimes to look past a photo because it's not that landscape that you know epic icelandic landscape or something when in actual fact some of the more difficult shots to get they might not always be as spectacular necessarily, but if you don't think about what went into getting it, then you haven't really thought about it or you haven't really, you, you can't appreciate it. And I think no. when you look at something like, um, you know, I learned this a lot from the MGA when they do like their, um, the bonus prize, for instance, and you see these photos that are getting put in and they're winning literally like $100,000. And you just go, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> that's, what, it's a photo of someone's like foot or something stupid and it's printed one inch by one inch and framed in a four meter by four meter you know i don't know map board or something and you're what on earth is this and how on earth is this winning a hundred thousand dollars but but the judging in that they have a true appreciation for this huge backstory that goes in behind this one shot and sometimes with landscape photography you can just look at it and think it's a pretty picture and not think about well what does it actually mean like look mm. at you know, how many shots have you seen from like Tassie, for instance? You go, oh, that's a nice shot. Yes. But you don't have any appreciation for the fact that that's probably like, you can't well, get that without. Well, it could have walked two or three days oh, to get to a crazy. And, and you'd, but this is where the problem lies in a sense that if we're looking at a photograph, often we're judging it just based purely on aesthetics, on mm. face value, as opposed to the backstory. Now, people may argue, well, who cares about the backstory? You know, we're just, it all depends on how strong the image is. But then sometimes we need that backstory to appreciate the time and the effort that's gone into achieving that photograph in the first place and have a greater appreciation for the aesthetics because of that. Absolutely. You know, to then go, actually, that's a, I, I liked the photo before, but now I really like the photo because I've now understood what the photographer has gone through in order to capture that photograph. Um, you know, and, and it can be vice versa. You can't, you can't sort of say, well, I took three days to get to this epic spot and you take a dud photo. No. Like you can't expect that to be a good photo at the end of the day. If it's not a good photo, bad luck. So. Do you um, think though, like that's almost, if you compare this to say food, right? Cause I do like food right now. Um, <laughs> anything that's not dehydrated out of a packet that you've got to add water to. No. Okay. Here's a classic, right? So I don't know about you. We, we ordered, um, what do we get? We got some, um, some Gruyere croquettes, which were which were nice, like yes. they were good. Yeah. But then we got these chicken bites. It's so tasty. And no shit, it was like KFC, but with this like soy vinegary dipping that sauce. I, that I put half of it on my top. And I literally drank the rest of the shot. <laughs> you did. But the thing is, that meal was super delicious. But at no point did I eat it, going, "Wow, this is a cultural experience." Whereas I've had meals that may not have been so instantly satisfying as fried chicken with vinegary soy sauce, but it was a better meal because I had some real understanding about maybe there's some cultural heritage in it, or maybe it says you can see the skill 
in the way that it was prepared. It's not a meal is not necessarily purely about flavor. Otherwise, you know, often junk food would probably win over some of the restaurant stuff that gets served up. I think that the same with you when you're talking your landscapes, it's easy to look at it on face value and go, what's the easy popcorn like Instagram like versus if you look at it and really think, where is it? Look at the location. If there's a backstory, read the backstory because it does make you sort of think like what kind of other challenges must this person have mm. faced to achieve it? And it does, it, it's mm. far more satisfying than, than just a, a, a my, we'll put it this way, my uncle's got this really great philosophy, which I don't know that it, in, it always works, but he doesn't want to travel overseas for his photographer to take photos because he's got this challenge for himself. The Australian bush is a really complicated, messy thing. Mm. And until he can master photographing the Australian bush in a way that is, you know, shows it off for what he feels, how it is, yep. he's not sort of almost earned the right to just disappear overseas and photograph beautiful looking things. Right. Know? Tom's thinks we're lost. We're not lost. We're, no, no, this no. This is that shitty bit of road that we can't You know what we're doing. Year. Right, okay. This is terrible. It's, this is, but I, this, this we're going to pop out at a service station. This is why like I, I like that you can get to read the backstory on Instagram, for example. And I recently yeah. put it out to my tribe to say, if, you know, just thinking my, rethinking my Instagram strategy, what would you prefer? Would you prefer the photo with a short caption or a long caption? And mm. most people chose the short caption. They didn't yeah. want to hear necessarily the backstory. Well, I think that's Instagram. I think that's the way you consume Instagram though. Because Instagram, Insta, like really, it's all about just it's short, sharp, fast. Remember yeah, this abandoned caravan that we went past? Like, oh, I do remember. Yeah. So we're on the right track. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I used to really enjoy reading Dale Sharp's uh, posts on Instagram, DK Photography, for those who don't know of Dale. Uh, he's since passed away, unfortunately. But he had a huge following and used to write some fantastic long stories to go with his images, which made me appreciate them a whole lot more because of mm. the fact that he'd explained his uh, reasoning behind the photograph and his technique and, and his trials and tribulations, etc. I think I think that's missing in our world where I we need to just spend a bit more time appreciating the effort that people have gone to in order to, to capture something. Yeah, I can definitely appreciate that after this week. I do, I tend to write like a caption in my images. When I post one, like I might call it like a keeper shot, not just like a backstory shot. Usually trying to post it like a little bit of a, um, you know, a, 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 I'm gonna say a, a poetic piece of like how it felt, you know, or what the, the feeling of the photo is, right. rather than maybe the technique behind it and stuff. Yes, but, I have noticed you've done a bit yeah, more of that recently. Yeah, I do a little bit of that. But the, I, I generally don't reply politely though, do no, I? No, no, yeah. <laughs> Dick jokes involved, but you know, that's okay. That's not true. At least I know you read it. Um, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. But look, it's 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 a it's been an interesting thing in that sense. I don't know how many photos I've got that I reckon I've probably got maybe five or six photos from the four days that I'm gonna probably when I say keep, that I'll publish in a way that you yeah. know I would be really happy with. I think ultimately we had great moody conditions today, which made it life very difficult, but the photos nicer. Yeah. And then we had really lovely conditions which made the living easier but the photos yes. very lifeless yes true um, so that's an interesting point in itself yeah so when you're going up to the snow to take those sort of photographs um, as we've talked about many times on the podcast that often the best conditions are the ones where the the weather is not great no so the best photographs come from the worst weather and so um, we had that today it was it was very atmospheric and um, very much more my style compared to the previous days where it had been bright and sunny and quite still and um, a bit benign a little bit land a little bit ugh, 
you know? Yeah, very so, much nothing. Um, I look forward to more adventures, Matty. I hope that you've enjoyed what we did. I thought, well, I think uh, we both had a bit of a ball, to be honest. I mean, it was challenging, that's for sure, but very challenging. Fun. Challenge physically and mentally, you know, when you, the, the problem, not the problem we had, but what we faced on this was that we were moving very quickly to cover a lot of ground in a short period of time. And we were hiking from say 8.30 in the morning through till, well, we didn't stop before four. No. On, you know, on either day. So, um, and 5.30 on that second day, for example, where we walked 25 kilometers. It's very mentally draining because remember, the your, sun's body, down as well. your like, body is wanting to stop and say enough and yet you have to keep pushing on because you've got a goal to, to get yeah. to the destination in the end. And so we, um, I don't know about you personally, but I, I certainly needed to keep pushing myself. Even sometimes you'd get up in the morning and start walking and go, yeah, I'm not feeling it today. Yeah. And it's like, well, bad luck. Yeah. You've got another eight hours to go. 100%. Have fun. 100%. Enjoy, you know, and so you just push through it. So. Um, those who, who do any sort of long form of bushwalking or multi-day hiking would know what we're talking about where there are times you're just like totally stuffed but you have to keep going so that was challenging but we, we do want to keep doing that or, or should I say we found some great places on this hike that we've yeah. earmarked to come back to we absolutely have and said that would be great to go back there in the right conditions the right snow that would be great to come back to and spend two or three nights there and just go to that spot and not have to pack up each day and walk another, you know, four or five hours, which would make it more enjoyable socially, but also photographically. Yep. Just to, um, you know, watch the world go by and, and wait for the right conditions. So they're the sorts of things I'm looking forward to next time. Absolutely. I, I've certainly not done a snow expedition like that where we, you're walking 62 kilometers. Most of my trips in the past have involved uh, you know maybe 10 12 15 kilometers propping for a day or two yeah and then going back home and so, so I'm gonna, one last little thing on this I think is so I, I was talking about this a couple of podcasts ago and I've written it in my little five things Friday thing which I appreciate hasn't come out for a couple of weeks because I've not been here but um, I've, I've been talking about camera fit or photo fit and I think that this has been a really, really, really perfect example of some of that hard work paying off. Yeah. It was, it's been really tough doing this. And, but I can't imagine having done this without some of the training that I've been doing leading into it. And it's so satisfying, like, especially today, like the first few days, yes, we got to some cool places, but really like, you know, I don't think they were terribly cooler necessarily than a lot of other spots have been. Today though, getting to that spur to the stop at the top of the staircase, I really think that I was just going, you know what? The fact that I can be up here and not so out of breath that I can't even concentrate or that I can't do anything. Mm. The fact that I can get up here in the first place, mm. the fact that I can I can actually take this photo, like how cool is that? Mm. And I think that, um, shut up, Carl. Um, <laughs> and I think that Matt's it's a really- high tech Tesla a, here is telling <laughs> us that. I think it's just a really good um, a good point to remember that if you're the sort of person who's wanting to improve their photography, but you're also the sort of person who's sitting there looking at what we're doing, going, you're nuts, it's cold, it's this, it's that. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't think everyone should be doing a 65K hike across the snow at the moment. But if you're sitting there going, I'm not fit enough to get up and go for a little bit of, you know, not a hike hike, but even just a bit of a walk, get away from the car park, can't carry the camera around all day, seriously put some effort into that to that fitness aspect because without that we would have literally walked away with absolutely nothing in fact we wouldn't have even been 
up the mountain no. for this entire trip. It we is did, such and, an important and, and I think it is important to note that um, what we did this week, uh, even the people that we met on the trip were like, right, okay, wow, yeah. you've done a fair <laughs> bit. That's a bit cray-cray. Um, but we did train for it. You know, like I, I was doing, you know, runs, um, swimming th- two or three times a week, going for some bike rides, things like that. Etc. I was very conscious of the fact that I needed to train for it, as did you, Matt. With I clocked your runs. up 207 kilometres in July in runs. There you go. Yeah. So um, that's not to say that uh, no one, no one else could do it, but you just got to make sure that uh, you are fit. Yeah, and or, put that put it up high up on some, your list. Put some training in. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's just to go for a walk around the park, if you can, if your fitness is not a barrier, your photos will get better. Yeah. Alrighty, what do you think? Probably time to call someone for our. Um, nah, I don't think we did it this week. But we will next oh, that's week. It. <laughs> we do. Who's our lucky winner this week? That's I haven't got it. a laptop in front of me. No, that's it. Whoever no. makes the funnest comment on our videos. Um, no, it's been awesome. Thanks, Tom. No, thanks, Matt. It's been great. It was great to share that with you. And we didn't kill each other. We're still talking to each other. So hopefully this means uh, many more adventures ahead. I'd love to love to do it again. Maybe even another podcast episode. Excellent. Thanks for joining us for yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt, both of whom are working photographers running workshops all over Australia and, of course, the world. Join us on one of our workshops, and in the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast to make sure you stay up to date.